0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Yellow Noise. I'm Ellen. I'm Polly. And I'm Jackie.
1: If you haven't noticed, our last three episodes were centered around the Asian-American experience in celebration of Asian-American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. As March comes to an end, We'll be debunking Asian stereotypes in this week's episode. A stereotype is a widely held but fixed and oversimplified image or idea of a particular type of person or thing. Minorities often fall victim to stereotypes, which generates discriminatory actions from others that have a direct impact on their assimilation into society. The danger of stereotypes is that they are oversimplified ideas when we are nuanced people. To further exemplify how different we can be, we are bringing on a very special guest for this week's episode, our friend Jackie. So to start us off, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. I'm Jackie. I work as a program manager at an education tech company. I know Polly from college. I actually met her like the week before we went off to college at a meetup in the Bay Area. I grew up not in the Bay directly, but in Monterey County, which is about two hours south. Um, And I'd say in general, I tend to not fall into a lot of the stereotypes. So I think I'm a particularly apt uh, (laughs) guest for this week's episode.
1: And Jackie is also Korean American. So we wanted to bring on a different Asian American voice onto this episode um, to help us further explore these stereotypes.
2: Yeah. Um, so I was born in the States, but my mom is of South and North Korean heritage, actually. And my dad
0: is from the south of South Korea. Awesome. So um, to start off this episode, we thought it would be a fun exercise to go down a list of stereotypes and explain why I do. They do not embody us. There are a lot of Asian stereotypes out there, but we've narrowed down to a list of 10 stereotypes that we've had personal experiences with. Um, So the first one is, is Bruce Lee your dad? All Asians have the same last name. Lee, Kim, Nguyen, Chang, et cetera, et cetera. What do you guys think?
1: First thing that comes to mind is that's none of our last names.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in Korea, like... we do have a more limited number of last names than you would see in the United States, but that's just because the United States has people of various heritages and ethnicities. I mean, if you think about it, like for example, in South Korea, you have one country's worth of names. You can imagine if the US only had one heritage's worth of names, we'd end up with a limited handful too. Um, Also, like I can list like 10 different korean last names all the top of my head without even thinking about it and again that's none of our last names so
0: yeah i had never met anyone with the same last name as me until i started my first job and the person i met who had the same last name as me had the same name as my sister which was oh. really weird <laughs> But yeah, actually, uh, I guess a lot of Asians do have similar last names sometimes, but that stems from like a lot of historical reasons. Some reasons why last names could be similar, which I researched on the internet, um, at least for Chinese last names. Um, A lot of times people had the last name that was the surname of the emperor. So all people born under a certain dynasty had to adopt like the royal family's surname, and as such, those last names carry down multiple generations. Last names could also be related to the place of origin, um, such as all people from like a certain region or state having the same last name. And then lastly, a lot of Chinese last names also originated from their occupation. So Wang um, is like king, and then some other last names follow other Occupations as well, yeah. a Little history lesson there.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I, I mean, I've also noticed, of course, that like there are a lot of similar last names within Asian heritage, but like you could also, yeah, say the same for like a European country as well. Like, you know, how many Smiths exactly. do you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think like the the core of the question also like is Bruce Lee your dad stems more from just like thinking that we all look the same or like are the same, and and like that is why that question like sucks. It's not. Really, because they care that our last names are the same. They're just like you, you people are all the same.
2: I mean, you can imagine as an Asian person named Jackie how many Jackie Chan jokes <laughs> I suffered through in elementary middle school, which is also particularly offensive because I'm not even Chinese. <laughs> like we just have the same first name. Um, I will also say there is some carryover between Chinese last names and Korean last names mm-hmm. because. You know, the occupation of the East Asian countries is a complicated history, but there is a lot of overlap between names, which I think might also be the source of some of the, why are all of your last names the same? Like Mm -hmm. in Korea, we have Lee as well. And I know some Wongs and, you know, some like Cho's and there are overlapping last names. And it's
0: just a matter of like colonization
2: (laughs) as always. Yeah.
0: Good old colonization. (laughs) Moving on to stereotype number two, Asians are good at math.
2: You can look at my report card and see if (laughs) I was good at math. I mean, uh, shout out to covered grades at uh, college. Um, To start, right, it's ignorant of like any Asian person with a learning disability. Um, There are people like with dyscalculia who literally cannot decipher numbers from each other or dyslexia who might literally struggle to perceive those. And Asian people with learning disabilities, like fall victim to the stereotype because they are expected to be good at something simply because of what they look like. Mm -hmm. And it is already hard to have a learning disability as
1: is. Personally, yes, I am good at math or I was good at math. Honestly, it's been a long time since I've done like real math. So it's hard to say if I'm still good at math. But I think like in school, it was just something that was encouraged to be good at just from like upbringing, you know, like math and science are just emphasized, like the importance of them, I think, in at least my upbringing. And so I think when when your parents invest a lot of time into you trying to be good at it, it, you end up like, you know, wanting to make them proud or like not disappoint them. And so I was like good at math.
0: Yeah. Polly and I talked about this a lot in our education episode. And yeah, I was like good at math, I guess. Um, in middle school, high school years. But yeah, that's because my mom had me practicing math since like I could hold the pencil in my hand. Um, but actually when I entered college and I took discrete mathematics, that ma- that class like tore me apart. <laughs> I was actually a math econ major grow, going into that class. And then after that class, I switched to biz econ. Um, <laughs> the sad part is it was actually a pretty hard decision for me because I felt ashamed because of the stereotype that Asians are supposed to be good at math. I felt like I was letting down my family and my culture when my friend who did um, ended up like completing her math econ degree. We, we do literally like the exact same job right now. <laughs>
1: um there was a book that I read by Malcolm Gladwell I don't know which of the ones it was that he wrote um and I may only be like 85% remembering this correctly but I did read I think that because the way you count in Chinese or like in Asian languages and maybe you can tell me if this is true for Korean as well but all the numbers are one syllable and then um when you get to like above 10, it's just like 10, 1, 10, 2, 10, 3, like you don't have to remember new words for numbers. And that actually makes it a lot easier for children to remember numbers growing up. And so like when they did a study between like people who learned English numbers versus Chinese numbers, it was a lot easier for like Chinese kids to grasp the like concept or like remember more numbers at once. And so it felt like they were smarter at math. Um, and like counting and remembering, and then phone numbers are in English, like are like 10 numbers long. And that's pretty much the maximum that apparently like our brain can handle or like memorize versus like, you can remember a lot more Chinese numbers at once because it's just one syllable each. So I was like, maybe like this stereotype is like 1% grounded in like this weird fact that is true. (laughs) But of course, like overall, I don't think it's true.
0: (laughs) Okay. Stereotype number three. Asians are quiet, submissive, and conservative. <laughs> Sorry, I laugh because
2: um, for those in the audience uh, to break the fourth wall who may know me, you might know that I'm quite active in the activist space for a lot of various marginalized communities. Um, and so I find this one particularly funny because it's just not true. Um it just, it just isn't true. Um, I mean, first of all, my voice is quite loud, literally, like it just (laughs) booms, but I think it's more like the way women are perceived in Asian culture and the way Asians are perceived in American culture. There's this, like, there's this expectation that Asians and Asian women in particular are quiet. I think because like they're misinterpreting respect and like, this, I'm going to listen to what you have to say for
0: quietness. I don't know if that makes sense.
1: I think that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, I this stereotype is definitely not true. I know so many strong, independent Asian women in my life. Um, and I think it this is a really dangerous stereotype, too. Um, I think yeah. this leads to Asian women being fetishized, which clearly is an issue as we have seen in light of the recent attacks in Atlanta, unfortunately. And also, I guess like a personal anecdote for how dangerous this can be. I remember one time uh, my manager like had nothing to say about me except that I was quiet, which I thought like an old manager, which I thought was really weird. And I like even went back and looked through all our team Slack channels and like made sure I was contributing as much as anyone else. Like I had no idea why that manager thought I was quiet. But after the person said that, I was like, wait, this was also the person in charge of my performance reviews. And that's all they can think when they think of me. I think if
1: you separate out like the quiet submissive portion with like the conservative too, Um, at least from my experience, like a lot of Asian immigrants do come into this country, like kind of conservative, I think like culturally, at least like Chinese values, like in China are more conservative probably than they are in America. And so like, yes, maybe some of that is from a place of truth, but it's, I mean, you can't say that about all all Asians or all people.
2: It's also not exclusive yeah. to Asian American immigrants. I mean, just... Again, being active or being active in the activist space, I know that immigrants in general tend to be more conservative. It's yeah. not a matter of being Asian American. Hispanic Americans tend to be more conservative if they are immigrants as well. And in fact, you see this disappearing once you hit second, third generation immigrants because it is like a first generation immigrant thing just because you're coming from a different country and the laws are just different. I know that in South Korea, for example, being gay and being outed can be a career ender, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're coming from a culture where that's the case, you're naturally going to be more socially conservative simply because that's what you were raised with. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot more conditioning to get over that hump versus being in America and seeing like, Ellen generous on TV. Right. Mm -hmm. I I will also say like it harms women in media, Asian women in media as well. Like Margaret Cho is a comedian who was very loud, very brash. And she was often heckled by both Asian and white audiences alike because she was so counter to the stereotype of a quiet, submissive woman. In fact, often she like made her career just by being loud. Mm-hmm. Like She wasn't even funny half the time, but like, there's something so shocking and jarring about an Asian woman speaking her mind that she was branded as a comedian. When if you like watch her stand-up specials, yes, some of them are funny, but some of them are just her We're speaking talking. her <laughs> truth. Yeah, exactly.
1: I think for me, my parents did really emphasize like respect of authority I think and that kind of does manifest itself in being more quiet but I don't think it's like quiet and submissive in the way that it's not because I don't have opinions or I don't think or I don't want to say something sometimes it's just like I respect or like I've been trained to like you know, just keep my mouth shut sometimes and just like keep my head down if it's, and to like not cause a scene. And so I don't think that's like necessarily a bad thing as well. Like there are times and places to pick fights and there are times and places to like, just let it go. Um And I think it is like very much in the Asian experience to like, just let a lot of things go, especially as immigrants to this country.
2: I think yeah. it's important to learn to speak out though, especially again, given like the violence against Asian Americans that is in the news right now. Like This is one of those instances where my mom would say, let it go. In fact, she has said like, I'm just gonna let it, I'm not gonna let it affect my day, but if we were to let it go, the entire issue could disappear. And it's really important to think about how these stereotypes negatively impact Asian Americans and Asian women in
1: particular.
0: Yeah, definitely grew up with like, oh, don't complain, just like do the best you can and get your work done uh, mentality. And kind of going off of what Jackie mentioned earlier, like Asians are not excluded from using these stereotypes. Like I do remember like anytime, you know, an Asian girl was dressed maybe slightly less conservatively, some people would look at her and think like, oh, she's being a bad Asian. And those are the Asians calling her out, um, which isn't right either. Okay. Number four, Asian women are tiger moms. I just want to first say that this is very contradictory to stereotype number three.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually, um, have you guys read Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mom?
2: I actually haven't. I read like a Newsweek
1: article on it. Mm -hmm. And
2: I remember the Newsweek article sparking a whole controversy online as well. I I will say that my mom was quite strict growing up and the stereotype does actually apply to me. I mean, these stereotypes are things for a reason, right? Like, But this really stems from not being Asian, but being a first-generation immigrant, right? My mom worked her ass off so she could move me and my brother across an ocean. And in her mind, which is fair, the least we could do was work really hard so that our children would have even better lives than we did, right? So, like, it's hard to say that it's just an Asian thing. Mm -hmm. And And it is weird that, like, Asian women have been villainized for this when, as Ellen said, like, In the last stereotype, Asian women were quiet, submissive, and didn't pick fights.
1: You know, yeah, I would say being a quote unquote tiger mom is not exclusive to like Asian parenting, but also like why is one type of parenting perceived negatively over another? Like, why is Eastern parenting like oh, it's tiger parenting? Like, why don't we call Western parenting like
2: marshmallow parenting, like panda
1: parenting? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like like (laughs) some like lazy ass parenting. Then I mean, it's just different styles of parenting and. For the same stereotypes that we have maybe in America about what Asian parenting looks like, like they also have probably negative stereotypes about Western parenting in Asian cultures.
2: What I was going to say was I think this is one of those things, as I said earlier, that is really rooted in being an immigrant um, and having that work hard mentality. And the reason why I think Asian parents are singled out for it is because It seems strange to white Americans in particular that the focus is academic in particular, right? Like grades are our measurement of success. But if you look at, you know, I have friends who were pushed to do sports. They didn't want to play, right? Making varsity sports teams was their version of a why did you not get an A on this math test? But white Americans view grades as this weird ephemeral, this doesn't mean anything
0: thing, but sports trophies somehow do matter. You know what I mean? My mom was pretty strict growing up as well. Uh, but to me that always came from a place of caring a lot. So I really didn't like how the term tiger mom sounded so negative because sure. Maybe there were ways about that kind of parenting that don't align with the the lax lifestyle we have. Um, luckily now, um, But yeah, I I always felt it was just because she really wanted me to have a good life when I grew up that she put invested so much of herself into my childhood.
1: I think at the time I didn't appreciate it for what it was. Like, it's also a pain in the ass to have to constantly like be on your kids back to make sure they are succeeding. And so like, it is a ton of effort, energy, and time to put into something. And like now looking back on, I'm like, thank God they like did that for me because now I'm in a really good place in life. And like, if I didn't have that who knows what would have like how it would have turned out
2: i mean there is this like unspoken thing of like there is a borderline right and my mom and i did butt heads quite a bit now Same. i'm <laughs> i'm quite open about talking about mental health and things like that and you know if you're if your child is neurodivergent. I was diagnosed with ADHD, right? Like my mom coming into my room and exclaiming, why is your room not clean? If I didn't have ADHD would be a sign of, hey, I want my child to be organized. But with that additional, you know, mental hurdle for me, it really felt like an attack. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think like there are some things, frankly, in for Asian parents to gain from Western culture, such as therapy <laughs> and yeah. emotional health and emotional well-being so i definitely don't want to suggest that asian parenting is superior or you know better but at the same time like frankly all three of us are working at good jobs at good companies in air quotes and mm-hmm. are set up to succeed in a way that our children if we were to have children are going to live better lives than we did at least i know that's true for me um so, yeah, I'm not saying that it's perfect, but ultimately it really is this, it really is just a drive for, you know, children to have a better life than they
0: did.
1: Yeah,
0: everyone's actions are definitely a mix of their own experiences. So it's probably like half of the parenting our parents experience mixed in with what they experienced when they first moved to America so I suppose our parenting might be a mix of what we experienced and our our lives now so TikTok memes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah if you haven't read um, the book though I, I do suggest you read it like I think when I read it first like I felt very seen in the book I was like oh this is like a pretty good depiction of like a lot of ways in which I grew up so it's um it's written in the mom's perspective so she immigrated to actually either she was she immigrated really young I think and then she like married a white guy and then she like has like first generation children basically um who are half white half Chinese but then she like raises them in a very quote-unquote like tiger mom way and then they end up like one of them's like piano virtuoso goes to Harvard, etc. etc. She's like oh, two I girls, did read
0: this, okay? I did, right? Read it. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then and then when I read the book, I was like, wow, I actually super resonate with all of this. And then the news articles that came out from it afterwards, like in all the western like news media, it was like, look how horrible, like, she is, like, look at how she traumatized yeah. her children, and like a bunch of. Um, Chinese media outlets also picked up on it and then she got hired as a consultant basically <laughs> to like to like teach teach these families like how to get your kids into Harvard essentially and so it was just like you just see these completely different like set of cultural values but, I mean yeah. like
2: let's not ignore right like there statistically Asian Americans do have a higher incidence of mental health issues and like you know unfortunately that is a reality like there really needs to be a balance and it was a perfect pairing for this author and her children, right? Her children were able to withstand this kind of parenting and succeeded immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like my mom also figured, you know, the way I'm parenting my child, she is going to succeed. Mm-hmm. But as I brought up like learning disabilities, dyscalculia, et cetera, like they're going to be children that don't thrive under this kind of parenting who need like more understanding. And I think, Maybe that is like an area of growth um, for Asian parenting.
0: Yeah, it's just so nuanced. Like, I I think I'm doing okay, but I definitely had friends that grew up just a mile or two away from me who are still pretty scarred from their experience growing up with their parents. So moving on to the fifth stereotype, Asians aren't athletic other than Kung Fu.
1: I mean, I would consider myself to be quite athletic. Um,
0: I would too. Probably. That's an understatement.
1: <laughs> but actually, I don't think I've ever heard this one. So maybe you guys can speak to it a little bit more. I feel um, like I
0: definitely thought, saw. Sorry, saw this stereotype growing up. Like the varsity sports teams were mostly white kids, um, except for maybe like a couple Asian people on the team, like especially basketball teams. It was like almost entirely white.
2: I went to high school in an area that was full of diversity, um, but the sports that uh, the student body tended to care about were the sports that were dominated by white people, frankly, right? Uh, my high school cared about football, about basketball and about lacrosse. And those were incredibly white dominated. Um, we had like an incredible golfer who was Asian, but no one really cared about golf. Our tennis team tended to lean Asian, but no one really cared about tennis. Um, And our soccer team was immensely Asian, but people kind of cared about soccer. And so I think it's really more that Asian Americans, at least, at least this is my experience, just didn't play the sports people cared about. Like you don't see a lot of Asian Americans in the NFL.
1: So, I mean, my high school was like 85, 90% Asian. So all our sports teams oh. had Asians. But, I mean, you're right in that like, yeah, popular sports, like NFL, NBA, you don't see a lot of Asians. Areas of America where it is like, you know, where sports is the focus, like the Big Ten schools and like, you know, where high school football is super big are areas where there are just like not a lot of Asian people too. So it's like you have both underrepresentation in the areas where it matters a lot and then just a different cultural focus, like you were saying earlier about how like Asian Americans just really value
0: like STEM instead of sports. Yeah, I guess it, it all goes down to what each F, each side like values putting their efforts in, and then also um, what people value as success in a certain sport and even what a successful sport is. Um, I did swimming growing up, and I feel like that was a very diverse sport because. All people didn't want their kids to drown. (laughs) (laughs) It is like an equalizer. Like every
1: area has a body of water. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. Stereotype number six. Asian women are bad drivers.
2: I'm going to cop to this being true as I do not have my driver's license and (laughs) the first test I ever failed in my life was the California learner's permit test. And I have failed my driver's test. So I apologize on behalf of all Asian women because unfortunately (laughs) this is true for me.
0: I personally think I am a good driver. I can parallel park and that is the threshold of a good driver for me. So I'm going to say a no for the stereotype.
1: I would agree. I can also parallel park. And so I don't think I'm a bad driver anymore. I will say when I first started driving in San Francisco, I could not parallel park that well. And it did stress me out, like just driving through the city because people just change lanes so crazily or like, you know, one-way streets just come out of nowhere and just like, shoot. (laughs) Um, But I wouldn't say that I'm a good driver either. I think I'm just like neutral. There's like a study that's like most people don't think that they're bad drivers, but there are so many accidents still because a lot, (laughs) lot, there's gotta be like a lot of bad drivers still, you know, but most people will not cop to it. So I would say I'm a neutral driver.
0: (laughs) Personally, I have not gotten into any driving accidents yet, knock on wood. So yeah hard no. (laughs) All right. Stereotype number seven, Asians all turn red when they drink. Um, and this is often associated with embarrassment and low alcohol tolerance. You guys, um, Asian glow as they call it. Not really. Me neither. Kind of depends for me. It's like very
1: situation specific. If, if it is just really warm, then I will turn more pink. Um, or if I don't, eat anything and i'm just drinking then i will kind of turn pink it kind of looks like a sunburn so it's just right along like is this my t zone
2: <laughs> yeah yeah um it's like where you put highlighter
1: yeah but i know or like, where you're oily <laughs> exactly um but i i do know like some people do turn red like all over like even their arms and legs um i mean but- i
2: know i know asian americans and asian people in general with asian glow right and like this is the thing is like it's almost this chicken or egg scenario where like sometimes it's just hot in a party and you get red, but people say that it's I'm usually Asian glowing, hot in a party, <laughs> right? Yeah. And like am I Asian glowing or did it become 90 degrees in this party? I do not know. Um, but when I get red while I'm drinking, people yell Asian glow and you know, poke fun. But if a white person got red, they would not. Um, it's interesting because it's just like an enzyme. It's like being lactose intolerant. Like, I don't know why this particular thing is like so Asian specific.
0: Yeah, I also think it's weird that it's like associated with low alcohol tolerance because I've definitely seen Asians who can pound down shots. <laughs> um, I do not think Asians in general have low alcohol tolerance. And I don't think we should be labeled as such because everyone's bodies function differently. Just because you can
2: see the physical impacts of drinking on our faces earlier on does not mean we cannot drink as much. It just means we get red. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I agree that I don't get the low alcohol tolerance thing because if you, I mean, if you go to Seoul and you go to a Korean barbecue place, like in Seoul, let me tell you the bottles of soju stack real quick. (laughs) So I just go to Korea once just go to
1: korean once. i do feel like there is a stereotype that koreans can drink a lot though it's like the opposite Mm -hmm. of the low tolerance
0: (laughs) stereotype that is confirmed in my (laughs) case (laughs) um and for a little science lesson actually approximately one-third of people of east asian descent experience the glow um response to drinking alcohol that includes facial flushing, nausea, and itchiness. Yeah, I definitely had a friend who actually got really nauseous um, from drinking and her whole body would flare up. But basically to break down alcohol, there are a couple enzymes involved. Uh, I'm not going to try to name them because, again, I did not do well in AP bio, but (laughs) people who experience facial redness um, have a mutation in the second enzyme that makes it less efficient or even inactive. Um, And then the flush is an indication of toxins accumulating in the body. Okay, um, eight and nine. I'm going to bunch together because they both have to do with physical appearances. Um, but it's Asians are short and skinny, and Asians have small eyes. Well, I'm five nine and a half, and I weigh more than two hundred pounds. So
2: there are Asians who are tall and built like a brick shit house. I promise. My dad is six three. Well, he's oh less than that now because he's like old. But like at his tallest, he was about that tall.
1: Um, I mean, I would say like for the first one, yes, I am short and skinny. Um, it for me, like yes, my parents are also, so maybe it's just lucky genetics. Um,
2: I mean, there's like an like an ethnic genetic thing, right? Like if you sometimes I go on Wikipedia and get stuck in a rabbit hole and there is a there's literally a Wikipedia page for like average heights in mm-hmm. each country and the ones for Asian countries are lower than those for, like, Scandinavian countries, you know?
0: But, like... It's genetics.
2: Yeah, (laughs) but it's literally just genetic. Um, But, like, like all genetics, there are outliers. And as I was saying about the personality thing, like, people think I am not full Asian just because I am tall and broad. And I don't know how to be like, no, we come in this
0: shape, too. I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. There's, I mean, there's people of all shapes and sizes everywhere. Like this, it's just so bizarre to me why people think all Asians are short and skinny. I, I'm personally five seven and I don't, I consider myself like very average size. Like I think I'm literally average for BMI calculations and everything. (laughs) Um, yeah, not true. I think
1: that, um, Asian culture though, does value skinniness or slenderness or like petiteness. Yes, for sure. um, Especially in women. And then I do think like also though Asians do, do value like tall men also on the other hand. And so I don't know. I I, like, where does this even come from?
0: I will (laughs) say like, yeah,
2: I like, I remember like when I was younger, right? Like this was also a source of conflict between me and my mom, right? My mom is smaller and you know, more petite and I take after my dad's genetics. Um, and I literally just didn't fit in to clothes that were from Korea. So we would travel to Korea. My mom would get really excited about the shopping and she would go shopping in all sorts of places. And I, by the time I was 10 topped out of sizing just because I was too tall. Um, and it's very interesting because I asked these store owners, like, where do taller, larger Koreans shop? And she responded, Itaewon, which is a neighborhood full of American stores. <laughs> like, there is a Uniqlo there and, you know, and a gap there. Uniqlo is like, guess not. But like Westernized stores. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so even in Korea, they don't associate large Koreans with Korea, which is like, I'm very lucky that I grew up in the United States in that respect, because body positivity and, you know, plus sizes are concepts here that I have really benefited from. And I am part of like communities of plus size people and fat people and fat acceptance. Um, and I do not think that acceptance is a thing or a concept in East Asian culture um, at all, like yeah. even a little bit. I know this because anytime I see any of my relatives in Korea, like I am asked very, not even gently, to be honest, like, when are you going to try to lose weight? But I am not the only person who experiences this. My mom is like a size four or a six. And even she experiences this from my family. So like, it is a thing that harms both smaller people and larger people because, You know, if you're small, but you go through some kind of experience that, like, for whatever reason causes you to gain weight, you are not only going through the pressure of dealing with fat phobia, like, on a general sense, but then this additional pressure of not being Asian enough because you're not small enough. And that's so unfair. Like, it's so unfair, especially in Korea where plastic surgery and things like that are a thing. And that's also related kind of to the small eyes thing, right? The double eyelid thing. I remember, and this is kind of fucked up, right? But like, I remember my grandma would say, well, Jackie's like, Jackie's a little bit big, but at least she has the double eyelid. So she won't need to get surgery. Which like, I was 14. Like, are, what? You know, that's really messed up if you
1: think about it. Yeah, whenever I went shopping in Hong Kong, even when I visited Tria, a lot of their clothing is just one size. It just says like OS on it and there is no other sizing to choose from. It's like Brandy yeah. Melville, but everywhere. Yes.
0: <laughs> my mom, my mom's feet are like half a size smaller than mine's, even though we're pretty similar in height. And my mom said um, when she was young, she had to bound her feet because they wanted even her feet to be petite.
1: Oh my god, I didn't realize that that tradition was so recent.
0: Thing. Yeah, yeah, because I, I definitely like read books about it,
1: but I didn't realize it was so recent.
0: And regarding the small eyes, I think we all have pretty large eyes, but actually, so I have double eyelids now, but growing up, I had single eyelids until freshman year of college. And I was always so insecure about having single eyelids compared to my friends um, and family members that had double eyelids. Like I just thought it made me so much uglier. And then very weirdly, like one of my eyes became double eyelided, double (laughs) eyelid freshman year of college and then my mom said the same thing actually happened to her when she was growing up like she also had single eyelids until later and then I yeah (laughs) I mean it's a
2: fat distribution (laughs) thing literally on your face so I could see puberty (laughs) impacting it like no joke yeah
0: but then I I actually used eyelid tape to turn my other eyelid into double eyelid because I just didn't like having two different eyelids (laughs) but yeah also because I just but I feel like I was conditioned to think that double eyelids were better.
1: My, my, my whole family has double eyelids. So I think it's kind of a genetic thing as well. But I, I did have friends who taped their eyelids in like high school even. I thought it looked even weirder because I could see tape on their eyes. And yeah, I was like, wait, your tape's coming off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we are conditioned to like think that that's better. And especially I think growing up when there weren't as many I think we're lucky in that like there was more and more like YouTube coming out with like how to do Asian makeup to make it look good. Mm-hmm. But before it was just like, this is how white people do their makeup and they have, you know, hooded what is, hooded yeah. eyes, whatever it's called, and like more indented, like yeah. more surface area to work with and stuff. And so like if you try to do their makeup on your own face, you just look like a clown, basically.
0: I would do the eyeliner and then open my eye and the eyeliner would be gone. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The last thing on this is I think like short and petite and that kind of thing is also associated with femininity. And it is intricately tied to this idea of fetishization and over-sexualization of Asian women for lack of a better way to say this, people who, white men especially, who say they are into Asian girls in quotes are usually not attracted to me. And it's not because they are attracted to Asian women, really. It's because they are attracted to this idea of an Asian woman who is small, petite, and like easy to manipulate. And all three of us are not easy to (laughs) manipulate whatsoever, regardless of our sizes. But like, people and yellow fever is a gross term like but it was used very very frequently in college but men who said they had yellow fever never were attracted to me not that I wanted to date them that's not the point but like it's because I didn't fit what their version of Asian was Mm -hmm. and it's because it wasn't this fetishized smaller petite version of an Asian woman um If people, and like, I think racial preference is weird, to be honest, but if you are attracted to Asian people and you are going to stand by that and die on that hill, then you better be attracted to Asian people of all shapes and sizes. Eyelids, no eyelids. Makeup, no makeup. 5'2 or 5'9. Seriously, like, that is the only way I will allow people to get away with saying they are attracted to Asian people only or something like that. Seriously.
0: Okay, so our last stereotype number ten is Asians are good with computers slash technology.
1: I mean, yes and no. <laughs> I would, I think I'm pretty good with computers and technology, but let me tell you, my mom is not good at computers and technology and she's an Asian woman.
2: (laughs) My mom calls me once a month to troubleshoot her television, her printer, her whatever. Honestly, I think this is just because of like Nokia and Samsung. Like don't put that pressure on us. We are not your IT people. Like I am just going to Google it like you are. Like I, I find this one fascinating. I mean, it might just be because more Asians end up in STEM because of the math thing we were talking about.
0: Yeah. I think it's also because a lot of media always had, you know, like the nerdy Asian guy that was working with computers and all the movies and TV shows growing up. But yeah, my, my mom too is not that great with technology. We were all very concerned about getting her an iPhone because we thought it would be an improper investment. (laughs)
2: I think related to this is like the I, the video games that we are supposed to play mm-hmm. as a, like I'm Korean and people immediately go to one of these stereotypes or do you play StarCraft? I believe it's StarCraft that is the Korean one. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I did not play a single, I had Mario Kart on the Nintendo DS and that was it. Like I did not play video games whatsoever, but there's an assumption that as a Korean person in particular, I am going to be magically talented at video games when that is that is not true, let me tell you.
1: And there are plenty of other races that are great at computers and technology. I mean, I feel like there is the Asian nerd stereotype, but then also like every ha- like hacker show that you watch is like some like sweaty white dude in <laughs> the basement, you know? And so like, <laughs> yeah. we can assume that of all white people, but we don't.
0: <laughs> we but. both have white software engineer boyfriends <laughs> as well. <laughs> um and yeah I mean sure I think I'm good with computers but I think that's just because I have freaking good critical thinking skills you know (laughs) it doesn't take like someone that brilliant to figure out how to you know control paste an image
1: (laughs)
2: people often think I'm good at computers because I'm good at googling and I don't know how to be like
0: (laughs) if you just google your error in quotation marks it will pop up I promise (laughs) what's that website that all software engineers use Stack Overflow. stack overflow? Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think one last thing that I'll say on this is that we also, the three of us, I think we're raised in like, you know, like upper middle-class homes, like a quite privileged life that had access to computers and technology early on in our life. And so, and that was like, I don't know, a fair amount of people that I grew up with who were immigrants, who were of Asian descent. And so yeah, we ended up being better at it now, maybe because we just had access to it really early on. And that's like, just not a privilege that maybe other people might've had in this country.
2: I will say like Asian Americans have the largest wealth disparity of all groups, right? So like, like we have stereotyped Asian people to be good at math and to be this and tiger moms and, you know, good at computers and all this stuff. And all of these things lead to us believing that Asian Americans must be wealthier. Um, And that's just not true. Um, There are plenty of people who are Asian American and struggling with poverty, especially the non-East Asian um, Asian Americans, such as like Pacific Islanders or Southeast Asians. Um, And so I think it's just like important to point that out as well as like, these are pretty east asian and specifically like we are i'm korean you guys are chinese these are east asian specific stereotypes in particular and the fact that they're associated with frankly anyone with like palish yellowish skin and dark hair really harms all of these other communities of color um or all of these other asian american communities because we it's such a it's such a wide variety of people you know what i mean
0: Yeah, I think that just speaks to our theme about how people are freaking nuanced and there's no stereotype that can embody all ethnicity or all people of a certain ethnicity.
1: So to end this episode off on a more lighthearted note, we are going to talk about the ABG stereotype. So for those who may not know, it stands for Asian baby girl. And maybe first we can all just talk about what our perception of an ABG is. Um, And then we also all took this online quiz that we'll leave in our show notes if you want to take it yourself. Um, But we'll reveal our scores of how much of an ABG we each are. My perception of an
2: ABG is like, fake eyelashes that balayage raves like boba the stereotype of like a smaller petite girl for sure yeah i i also and i don't know if this is just me but i also associated with second generation asian americans um in particular um i don't think my mom would have ever let me go to a rave ever uh i think she would have she would have shut that down really quickly um
0: fake nails too I, I actually think no to that one. I would say like I I associated it with like first generation, which I consider people raised by people that immigrated here. But yeah, my perception of ABG was just, a, yeah, false eyelashes, drinks a lot of boba, was probably in an Asian sorority, um, and has long nails exactly what you said basically hangs out with a lot of other Asians Asians, drives a Honda or a white (laughs) Honda Civic Um, but I always thought it was interesting because if you think about it the ABG stereotype doesn't really fit in with a lot of the 10 stereotypes we just listed other than maybe like short and skinny so yeah man even these stereotypes be contradicting each other (laughs) Yeah, I, I think I do associate ABGs
1: more with like, it's just like socially what they do, which I think is really different from all the other stereotypes that we talked about which are a lot of like either it's academic or like it is like their their party persona basically mm. and i think when i was younger and much more traditionally asian i like frowned upon abg behavior but as i've like gotten older i'm like oh actually they're like super fun yeah. <laughs> that was great like why, why do we... you realize
0: you are the abg <laughs> <laughs>
1: Basically, yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, they're actually out there like having fun.
2: <laughs> I feel like the concept of the ABG to get a little a little like social justicey about it is like, you know, there's like first wave, second j second wave feminism, right? They're all responses to each other, and I think the ABG stereotype is a response to us seeing Asian Americans who we deem to be completely counter to our version of Asian Americans. Um not our, like, frankly, white Americans version of Asian Americans, right? So, like, who are these people who are partying? And, like, they don't look like what I imagine an Asian person to be like. We have to give them a name, right? Um, And so it's almost like second wave Asian American stereotypes, but it's still just another stereotype. And I don't fit that either, really.
1: (laughs) So the quiz was 62 questions, and they asked things like, you know do you drink a lot of boba do you eat cream fried chicken do you have those clickety clack nails and like a lot of like rave questions as well Um, so these are some of the stereotypes that are associated with being an abg um, which like ellen said counter a lot of the other stereotypes that we talked about earlier in this episode Um, but yeah jackie do you want to share your score first and maybe it also like has a little phrase after your score so you can read that out as well
2: (laughs) I got 12 out of 62, Um, quote, you aren't an ABG. You already knew that before taking this quiz. You know, in a very real way, I resented answering yes to any of these, which I know is, you know, something I have to work through. But I think if you know me at all, you would not associate me with the ABG stereotype. I also think like a lot of these are like, you know, like the nails and the and the makeup and stuff like that, like are buying into like stereotypical ideas of beauty. And as someone who doesn't already fit into the stereotypical idea of Asian beauty, I think I just kind of gave up, which is why I've never like worn lashes or anything like that. Um,
1: Ellen, do you want to share your score next?
0: Yeah, I got a 23 out of 62 and I said... Oh, you've probably been called an ABG a few times. ABGs are confident, but you're just insecure, Lamau. <laughs> and I was sad to read that. <laughs> I actually got
1: the same comment as you, but I got a 25 out of 62. So, oh, I feel like so we were pretty Very close. similar. <laughs> um, and actually, when I took I took the quiz like almost a week ago now. And so since then, I have had Korean fried chicken. So my my score would be one point higher. (laughs) Yeah, no, when I saw my score, I was like, darn, I thought it would be higher. Because I think if I took this quiz like five years ago, it would be very, my score would have been really, really low. But I think I've stepped out a little bit more like socially since coming to San Francisco. And so that is how my score went up.
2: As I said, like a lot of this is just partying, like Mm -hmm. having done various like alcohol related things or attended Coachella. Like many, many people go to Coachella. I don't know why this is an ABG specific stereotype. Um, I think also realistically, if I had taken this pre-pandemic, like I would have had hot pot recently Mm -hmm. and I would have probably gone to Korean barbecue within the last month or something like that. But like some of this, I just can't do because it's closed. So (laughs) like I, I mean, uh, yeah, so I don't think I would have surpassed 15, though. I really
0: don't fit the stereotype very much.
2: Why is Disney ABG? Minnie Mouse ears are on this quiz, too.
0: Oh, it's I have a lot of questions. They go to Disneyland a lot, apparently. Because one of the questions was also like, are you from an ABG-centric area, like the OC or LA? LA That's yeah. all around Disneyland. So, I mean, I went to Disneyland, too. <laughs> I'm I just, just didn't buy the Minnie Mouse ears.
2: I was too frugal for that. See, this is what I find fascinating is I associate like Disney adults with white people, like very white people. And so I think it's very interesting that Disney is also associated with the ABG culture. Um, also, what is the rice purity test? I
1: actually didn't know, didn't know, what, know that was, what that was. So yeah. I just didn't fill it out. I assume Same if, I. if you don't know, then you didn't do it Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> or it doesn't count.
2: I, I just figured I would ask, I, I would consult all of the questions I had right now. But also, do ABGs go to jail a lot? Like, what is that stereotype? I don't really
1: know. I don't know. No,
0: I think this the stereotype is that they're like feisty, so they get into fights a lot, maybe. I think that's and that fair. results like, in jail.
1: It's like the equivalent, I think, of now like when people use the term baddie. Like, oh. you know, it, it's like just a similar thing. But I mean, we took this quiz in all good, lighthearted fun. Like, we don't obviously care whether or not anyone is or isn't an ABG. Although if you are getting sent to jail a lot, then, you know, maybe check check yourself. But
0: um, as someone who went to college in Los Angeles, I would say that I witnessed a lot of people enjoying things on this list, including myself. <laughs> <laughs> So this brings us to the end of our episode.
1: We hope you enjoyed our episode about debunking Asian stereotypes and also the little ABG quiz that we took at the end. And thank you, Jackie, for joining us in today's episode. Um, I think we really learned a lot from you and we just had a really great conversations. So is there any you know, social media, or anything that you'd like to plug to our audience?
2: Um, my Instagram leans very heavily social justice-y, but if you'd like to follow me, it is Choi Meets World with Zeros. Now you know my last name. Um, and my TikTok is also the same, Choi Meets World with Zeros for the O's.
1: And we will uh leave that in our show notes as well for you to find. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Yellow Noise Pod, and we'll see you next week. Bye. <coughs>